right, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, this is our third installment of the Sunday Brunch series. Um, We've got a little mini story for you today about my very first time meeting M from our last episode, Queer in the Classroom. I met M at Varsity Gay League Soccer League. It was my very first time playing soccer, and it was M's first time too. I'd never been on a sports team before, and um, seeing M on the field was honestly really inspiring. She was a force to be reckoned with. And so we've got a little recording here of me telling M about my very first impressions of her. I have this really vivid memory of you from soccer of just like really fearlessly just like running after people who are literally twice as tall as you and just um just like stealing the ball from them and it was so it was so incredible and i would i would watch you miriam and i'd be like i need to be that fearless like i cannot let these people who are like around my same height like intimidate me the way they do i have to just like be like miriam and just like get the ball um and i just I don't know. I just, I just, I love thinking about you going after the ball. It's one of, it's one of my favorite things. I'm so happy. It that was so you amazing. Think about that. You were also so, so brave. nice and supportive. And I also remember, like, we're on different teams. We're often competing against one another, <laughs> and, and Miriam is still just like, from the sidelines, being like, Weston, that was awesome. <laughs> and like, what I did is I like touched the ball for a little bit. Like I touched the ball. And yeah. it was like, amazing. And you're like, yeah. <laughs> and Miriam is just so excited for me and that, I don't know it was just really lovely yeah, yeah I mean like I feel like some people not that you need to be cheered on but like if it's like your first time playing soccer like it's really scary like I was scared even though I looked fearless I was still scared I was always terrified until I got on the field mm-hmm. um I always I always just had so much fun when we were there everyone was really supportive yeah um and I don't know we, yeah I think until the very final game that's when things got like a little bit tense because oh, really? the championships are on the line or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Sports! We also have another clip from that episode featuring M and Edward, where M asks Edward what, if anything, he would change about her appearance. funny ones. What's the one improvement I could make to my personal appearance? <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any thoughts on this? Oh, I have so many thoughts. Really? Um, I don't know. I feel like you're in like a certain phase right now. Yeah. As you always are. <laughs> lemon dress. Yeah. Like, reformation. Like, <laughs> very femme phase mm-hmm. in some ways but I don't know <laughs> I feel like yeah you, you you just have a lot of fun and you're like experimenting but I don't know what I would <laughs> change about you I've gone through a lot so, so you've already seen me through a lot yeah I feel like you should try another haircut <laughs> <laughs> I know you've tried so I many. Cannot. <laughs> but when the time is right, I feel like you could experiment with something 
Yeah. Because okay. you've, you've wanted to do things. You wanted to dye your hair. You oh, wanted yeah. to, like, get an undercut or, like, all these things. Yeah. I just feel like you should try one of them. Yeah. You, I feel like you do think that, actually. Okay. You told me the other day, you were like, you should dye your hair gray if you really want to. Like, don't let anyone stop you. <laughs> <laughs> she, like, told her family, and they were like, why are you doing that? Like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> And the and real I reason I didn't do it was because it was so expensive. So I was like, no. But it is really expensive. That's a good point. I definitely need my time on that. Like, I definitely need to like sit with this like, new, like regular hair. You for have a bit. all this <laughs> history with, with my hair. hair Thank you for that. Thank you. I know you'll support me through that when it comes. We've also got, um, in the last episode, Queer in the Classroom, we had a, a little conversation about inclusion and exclusion and the queer communities. We focused that conversation primarily on gender, um, but we also had a whole nother conversation as uh, co-hosts about race and inclusion and exclusion. It's very much the Portland experience. Anyway, so uh, here's that conversation. It's uh, got some good stuff in it. This is, I think, the most difficult thing to talk about um, as part of this episode, but it's just something that I've been thinking about a lot for the last like year, honestly, is sort of, and I really only have an experience of this in Portland, because Portland's the only queer community I've ever been a part of, but this like really segregated queer community that is in Portland, and it's segregated across so many different lines um, and those lines can get really minute. They can be down to like whether or not you have body hair or not. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, it's clicks. Uh-huh. And it is, it's very, it can be very clicky. And um, two of the relationship stories we're telling in this episode are relationships between people who are, are bridging divides between like different queer factions. And I think that's really cool. Well, it's funny we yeah. bring this up actually. Uh, well, I mean, this might be just a little Portland centric. I don't know how much this will uh, translate to other areas, but I often talk with my friends about this idea of inclusivity versus exclusivity. Mm-hmm. And I think that in the area, like in this area, folks consider themselves very progressive. And so it's easy to be like, oh, I'm so inclusive. But then you spend any time around like the queer community and you quickly realize absolutely not. It's the exact opposite. It's the most exclusive area actually I think I've seen in anywhere you know like in California I could be around my my street friends my boyfriend friends my parent friends like we could do all these different things together but out here I don't know again I, I don't know if it's a Portland thing or whatever but it's it does seem to be much more exclusive and divided in that way it's just to me this is like such a white people thing like I don't <laughs> I where the queer community that I come from in the Midwest is one very much of like we're all we got I don't give a shit. Like, if you're not straight and cis, or even if, like, you're just not straight, <laughs> you know? If you are one thing, yeah, one step yeah, yeah, yeah. away. It's, like, it's just like, if you, are not a, if you are not a cisgender straight person, you are here. Like, you're in it. There's one gay bar in an alley. Like, that's, it, it, seriously, that's, what, that's the only thing we yeah. have. And then you come here, and you're like, look at all these opportunities that have opened for me. But what happens is it's almost like a class system kind of thing. And and it's super frustrating because Portland 
out to an outsider's perspective, Portland is like this melting pot of everyone has a bunch of different friends from a bunch of different places. And it's just not true. If you branch out of your group, a lot of times you're fucking shamed for it. And that is shitty. Yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head. Like I, like I also like think about this concept of a, a homogenous culture. You know, you look at the demographics of this area, and it's very homogenous. And I think that that's what breeds these things, where it's like, I'm expecting growing. If I'm a person who lived here my entire life, I grew up in an area where it's like everyone on my street probably looks just like me. We probably came from the same socioeconomic background. And so when you see anything that deviates from that, it's like, oh my gosh, now I have to get back to my paradigm. You know, and I think that that's what kind of is one of the catalysts that creates these boundaries yeah it's probably also worthwhile to note that the two relationships that kind of bridge these boundaries that are on this episode um are not none of them are from portland Mm -hmm. well i I find that often yeah like i think that 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 kind of comes from the fact that portland has this crazy history of being like absurdly (laughs) racist and like it hasn't changed like right. Portland is still very racist. Like, let me say that again. Mm-hmm. Portland is still incredibly racist, yeah. and that does not just stop at the straight community. Like, that is fully integrated into the queer community here. Well, I just find it. I mean, it's it's race and it's um, it's it's like body gender expression. It's gender expression. It's, yeah. You I know, mean, it's funny. I sometimes think I sometimes think that straight people are almost a little bit further down the path of like integrating different types of things than the queer community is which is really kind of like a like a mind fuck in that way you know actually that kind of makes sense to me because i feel like there's this thing that happens a lot of the time with people that feel like they have seen more or done more like growth they come to the realize or they they come to this this point where they think that they are done they think that they've they've done their work um and I think that that's, that's something that happens a lot in the queer community because we've been persecuted. We've, like, had to do a little bit of work there. And so we seem to think that we're just done. Like, we're good. <laughs> like, obviously, like, I'm fine because I've done, like, some work around this trauma. Right. But, I, I can't be racist because I'm queer. Duh. You know? Oh, obviously. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> when I was in high school, I had a group of queer friends and neither one not neither, none of us were out really at that point but after we left high school it kind of became like we each one of us sort of one by one came out and it turned out we were all just queer and together <laughs> and we had found each other in high school yeah, you know same. and i had a really like i i had i i had really really meaningful and viable friendships with um with like queer women and in portland i do not mm-hmm. and there's not only that but like meeting queer women in Portland is not something that just happens like I I don't I'm trying to understand why I can't go to a queer space anywhere in Portland and like find more than like one or two queer women there see I have that exact same experience but as a queer female bodied person Mm -hmm. I love CC Slaughters Mm -hmm. I love going there I love dancing I love drag so much and I don't go there anymore. And it's because I walk in and queer male presenting, male identifying people are so mean to me in there. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. there's an unbelievable amount of misogyny in It's incredible. That's it's so upsetting. It's yeah. so upsetting. It's, in some ways it's, it's like I've heard I've heard some critical commentators call like queer men like the perfect misogynistic culture mm-hmm. because 
they don't I mean, and it's uh, and it's all god there's like so much to unpack with that because yeah. then you talk about like femininity within queer men and how it's presented and yeah. like mm-hmm. oh my god and then culture stealing exactly oh, exactly yeah. it's oh. unreal god anyway i feel like the moral of the story is if you ever think you're you're done learning something or growing that like you fucked up right there yep. yeah. that yep. better be the yep. day you die There's right. yeah. like, you can't you can't just wear your queerness as a badge and be like see i'm one of the minorities uh-huh. i am exempt from you guys calling me out Seriously. i am exempt from you all calling yeah. me out yeah. you, like you can't do that and I, I know somebody who is a cis male white queer mm-hmm. and he uses that queerness a lot as this kind of like <clears throat> poor me i'm queer mm-hmm. and i'm woke well, yeah, so, uh-huh. so i have it figured out you yeah. know and it's just not true it's it's simply untrue well and there's a lot of like that's that's a lot of the reason why you see a lot of those like white gay jokes right like there's a reason if you go outside of the, the white gay uh subculture you find it everywhere. Because mm-hmm. generally, we're a problem. My mm-hmm. favorite is, uh, I don't use Grindr, I use Ancestry.com. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing. Oh I have never oh seen that. God, so I love good. that. That's so good. So I, just, wow. I just actually scream. <laughs> we definitely capped our audio there. It's okay. It's fine. <laughs> That's fantastic. That's incredible. Holy shit. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my god. I don't even know how we recover from that joke. (laughs) (laughs) My mind is blank now. Well, it's interesting too because, like, in the like in the other segment of work that I do is like it's very much around like um, like racial equity, diversity, and inclusion within corporate spaces. But one of the big things that we found in in that particular segment, I think it does translate to the queer world as well, is that often um, folks will move to Portland. Like Portland's been this destination city for so long. Um, but the other piece of this this picture that people don't see is that uh, a lot of people leave Portland. Mm-hmm. Like, they'll be here for a year or two, and they'll be like, you know what, actually, I just could not literally just find a group of people who gave a fuck about me. Yeah. You know? And Somebody, it's a, oh, sorry. No, 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 I'm good. Somebody told me not long after I moved here, and I've been here for coming up on 10 years, they were like, Portland's a transplant city. Mm-hmm. You come and you go. Yeah, you come here to figure something out, and then you leave as soon as you get it. Like a lot. Of, <laughs> yeah. And it's it's shitty, but it's 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 kind of right. true. Because what it, it's just what happens with a lot of white people, including me, admittedly. Portland seemed like a haven, and then a, it took me a couple years to figure out that Portland is actually really dangerous for a lot of people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the culture of Portland is very dangerous for a lot of people. And a lot of that's coming out into the light right now. Like yeah. with with everything that's going on, uh, like politically and racially, and just there's so much coming to light that a lot of people didn't get that didn't was it on the surface. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Like it's it's yeah. stuff that was easy to ignore for a lot of subcultures. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is what I'll say. We talked about the Cheeto, but the Cheeto brought it all to the surface. Yeah, it was all in there. You know, it, it was, was all in the woodwork. Yeah. It was all in the woodwork. Yeah. It's just coming out now. Would you argue that that was something he did right? I would argue that it's, you know, it may not be the, the president that America wanted, but it's the president that America deserved. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You're fucking right with that. <laughs> people are using that with Joe Biden, but the other way. It's yeah. like, we don't deserve him, but we fucking need him right now. Yeah. And and it's really interesting to think about, to think about 45 like that and be like, you know what? 
we kind of needed to have our shit called out. Like, all you fucking people who have been these covert racists or these covert misogynistics or you fucking turfs who are here in Portland. (laughs) Everybody thinks that you're an amazing feminist and you hate trans people. Like, (laughs) it's time to, like, bubble you up to the surface and then beat you up. Yeah. Right. Okay, yeah, it's literally, literally. Punch a Nazi, punch a turf. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. <laughs> so I love all this discussion. Um, and it's probably going to go on our Patreon, because who doesn't want to listen to us talk about punching Nazis on our oh, Patreon? Right. This is great Patreon. Yeah. That's, that's cool. yeah. Um, and, a lot of, and a lot of this is going to go on the Queer Friends episode, too. But going back to um, the relationships that we're telling in this Queer Friendship episode, I think one of the things that Oh, right, we have a topic. Yeah. <laughs> One of the things that um, we were just talking about, sort of like the lack of inclusion, particularly of like female-bodied or, or, or women, fem- women, queer women mm-hmm. in, um, in queer spaces in Portland and how they're often not welcome. But I find that like these two relationships that are between like a, a, a queer male-bodied person and a queer female-bodied person, there's so much strength in their relationship and I have also felt that myself with like a really good friend I have from from college who is um, a self-identifying dyke and um, gotta reclaim it I just I just miss it I just like I miss her and I miss having that kind of relationship in my life and listening to these stories just made me realize like what a really important and like special bond that is to have sort of like queer solidarity between mm-hmm. people who don't actually share like identical queer identities yeah WLWMLM yeah. solidarity yeah. I, I mean my my brother's queer and as soon as he came out it was like best friends that's exactly right. what happened with my right. sister yeah right. it's yeah. And, and like and some the the male bodied or male identifying queer people I know some of those relationships are like the the strongest or they are the longest it's so funny you say that because exactly like what I was thinking is this is like a topic that I've thought of um, quite often actually is that the big difference with like queer people versus like other disenfranchised populations is that we're not necessarily connected with like our family right so if I talk about race it's like okay my entire family experiences the same type of experience but as queer people we might be the only person we might be siloed in that, siloed in that way and I think that that's part of what kind of propagates this division that happens is that we weren't embedded with like you know mm. yes i am a black person but i know that through just being a black person in my own family that mm-hmm. like we all experience this differently mm-hmm. you know and we can connect and we can you know kind of get that broader picture of things within that context but queer people don't necessarily have it yeah, yeah. and like sexuality and identity is not always something that you can just see right away and uh, I think that a lot of times, like, I'll have a friend who, I had a friend not too long ago who told me she was queer and I didn't know it at all. And I was like, so happy because I know, I know, like, on a certain level, we're going to understand each other in this really deep-rooted way that, like, you, you can't see that, you know? Like, it, 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 it's just, yeah, I don't know. No, no, I, uh, no. It's one of those that, things yeah. where you're just like, oh, I buy that, but yeah. I don't actually have any words for it. Yeah, it's just I like, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. I also, it's just so true. I know that when I came to Portland, I am definitely the only like queer person in my family, um, and I didn't really have a queer community anywhere in the world until I came to Portland. And when I finally sort of like found 
queer friends who were like primarily um, like male-bodied, male-identifying gay guys in Portland, I was so hungry to share experiences in space with people who understood me because I'd never I'd never been in a household before where I could walk in and every single person there yeah, knew who I was mm-hmm. right. yeah. without yeah. even me having to like explain it to them and that was such like a powerful healing experience for me and now like five years later after entering the you know Portland like queer community I'm realizing that like everything we've been saying like there's so much segregation and there's so much division and there's so much misogyny and like there's not there's exclusivity there's not inclusivity and um there's so much about like this group of friends that i have who i love so so much and who like brought so much joy and love into my life that is also like limiting so i think that's oh sorry go go ahead i think that i think that is the trap that we have to be very mindful of. When mm-hmm. we mm-hmm. come from a place that is very limiting for us in our identities and our sexualities, and we move to a place that is very opening and accepting and welcoming, naturally, you are going to gravitate toward the people who are most similar to you, which makes total sense, because mm-hmm. that is what you feel safest with. But you have to not get comfortable with that, and you have to be willing to, okay, you know, you have to identify when you feel safe and when you are ready to start like diversifying your friend group because I like I totally understand you can come here it's very overwhelming you gravitate toward your safety people you build up those relationships you discover yourself but you have to progress that yeah you got to be lesson mm-hmm. that is the lesson mm-hmm. yeah yeah and like you you've, you've got to really be willing to look inward and confront your own biases mm-hmm. with yeah. that Right, that's our episode thanks so much for listening you coffee clubbers and brunch buddies and have a good sunday have a good sunday have a good sunday have a good sunday hey it's sunday have a good one happy sunday good sundaying <laughs> okay yeah i think that's 